friends, welcome to another edition of Coach's Corner. I'm your host, Robert Imbriali, and I got a question for you. What would it feel like to live without fear? We're going to explore that today on Coach's Corner. Yes, welcome back, and uh, we've we got a good show for you today. I, I really was looking forward to this for quite some time. Actually, I, I tell you the truth, be honest with you, we've been planning this show for a year. <laughs> Kid you not, it's almost a year now we've been planning this show. And my guest today is a, a good friend of mine, Kellen Fluckager, who's with us, and he's a longtime coach. He's been involved in the business community. He has had so many experiences, I can tell you. From the things he shared with me, I could give you a list a mile long, but I'm not going to go through it. I'm just going to say he's absolutely qualified to talk about this topic today, living without fear. Kellen, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me today. And Robert, I want to uh, publicly and on your show acknowledge you for the good that you do, for who you're being, and for the help and encouragement. I think of coaching as sort of being in the people encouragement business. But the encouragement that you bring to people, their hearts, their businesses, their lives, and the world. Thank you so much, Kellen. You're making me blush. Is that okay? <laughs> it's okay. You can just blush all the way. And I mean every word of it and every thought. So absolutely. I appreciate you as well. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you've got at least four major projects you're working on uh, simultaneous. I don't know how you do it, but uh, you know, leave it to you. You figure it out. And uh, it's great to have uh, some time to share with you today. Let's talk about fear. Let's talk about living without fear. Let's talk about the genesis of this concept and how you arrived at this point where you figured out how you can live without fear, because I think all of us are, are plagued by it, at least at, at some level. I think fear is probably the greatest thief of dreams, and you can, you can define fear lots of different ways, right? There's fear that comes from the outside, like there's some kind of physical danger. And the typical example is, you know, saber-toothed tigers and that sort of stuff. I'm not talking about any of that. We have a physiological response to danger. Okay, fine. But the, the thing that I am talking about is the fear that keeps you right here, right now, from doing what you know you could do and maybe even think you should do. That debilitating fear comes from your inner critic or the voice on your shoulder. It comes from past experience, the times you've failed. It comes from people that tells you, tell you you can't do this or that, or that you, uh, you hear. It might be your parents. It might be family. It might be friends. It might be colleagues. It might be just the past stuff that have, that's happened to you that makes you somehow believe. At a, at a, I call it the underneath. But that layer under your external bravado and speech that thing under there that keeps you from doing stuff because the truth the truth is you're a divine being you have gifts and talents you know that and some days you feel it and you say i'm going to do something with it but most of the time most folks get derailed last for a day a week a month and then they scale it down and then it falls down under the radar of yesterday's news and so understanding fear and more important than understanding neurotransmitters and all that jazz is how do you, how do you not have it be the determiner of your destiny? How do you live day to day, project to project, enjoy and live without fear? 
Those are really good questions. And, and you brought up uh, the right point. It's there. It's debilitating. It gets in the way. Sometimes you don't even know when it's going to pop up. Sometimes you can be taken by surprise. I've seen that happen before. And then the real question that I have for you is, okay, let's say you're, you've got the fear. You're about to do something, and you've got a lot of fear, and it's keeping you from moving forward. The question everyone has is how do we break through? How do we get past well, it? Yeah, so I'll give you an example uh, from the time in my life when I had not yet had some of the experiences and learned to live without fear. I was getting ready to speak at a, a summit, and I was the keynote speaker at this particular summit, and it was in the old industry that I was in for 30 years. <clears throat> and I, in that industry, I was a world-renowned dude, and you can do whatever you want with that, but I was. But there were a lot of people that didn't like what I did. And during that time, I also struggled with depression. And so behind the scenes, I had relationship issues and addiction issues and all that kind of stuff that were a mess. And if you want to read the details, it's in a book called Tightrope of Depression that I wrote. But anyway, I after I left the industry, I was called back to speak uh, at a conference and be the keynote. And I was terrified because I thought, literally terrified, like I wasn't sleeping. And I thought, what if they, you know, someone from the audience shouts things? What if they know, you know, what if this, what if that? And so I was talking to the coach I had at the time and I was telling him, look, I'm having this experience. And he asked me a question. Here's what he said. He said, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? And he wasn't being dramatic. It was just, what's the absolute worst thing that could happen? And so I thought about it for a minute and I said, well, you know, somebody could shout from the audience or scream at me or uh, cause a scene or throw things, you know, and I'm just going all in, right? So throwing things at me. And so basically, as we summarized it, I said, well, they could basically chase me off the stage with pitchforks and torches, kind of reminiscent of the French Revolution. And he said, okay, so let's go with that. Let's say that happened. That worst, awful, terrible thing happens. They chase you out of the room with pitchforks and torches and epithets and all the rest. What are you going to do? So I put myself in that thing and I would be running for my life or, you know, running out of the room. And then I said, well, I'd go back to my hotel because this was in a different city. I lived in Phoenix at the time and the conference was in Calgary, Alberta. And I said, I go back to my hotel and you know, feel awful or whatever. And he said, then what? I said, well, then, you know, I'm going to go to bed. And he said, is the sun going to come up in the morning? Yeah. Well, yeah. Then what are you going to do? And, you know, it was not rhetorical. Well, I would, uh, you know, get back on the plane and go home and go on and et cetera, et cetera. So we, we walked through the scenario of the most awful thing that could happen to me. And at the end of the day, what really is the truth is I'd go home and life would go on and I'd do other stuff, write another book or, you know, continue my coaching practice or do whatever I was doing. And maybe I'd never get invited to another conference to speak. And maybe I would, or I don't know. But the bottom line is, even if that most horrific thing that I could articulate happened, life would go on, uh, I would get over it, and I would be able to continue. So that allowed me to, and it took several minutes, and we sort of processed that fear instead of letting it remain nameless. And I realized that 
uh, I could do this. I, I could do this thing. And it didn't even matter what happened. So that's just a little example of a process to do that. And as it turns out, I went, I gave the speech. It was really good. And they asked me back to the conference next year. But that was separate from the paralyzing fear that I was experiencing, not because of public speaking. I'd spoken at a zillion conferences in my role as an executive and a consultant. But with this, it was an emotional fear of my secrets, of my past, of all this stuff that I imagined happening. So that is an example of understanding that fear, while its effects are real, it's not a tangible thing. It's a collection of neurotransmitters that bring a state about in our body. And those neurotransmitters are secreted and come out only because we believe a thought. And the thought that I was believing was somebody's going to know bad stuff. They're going to embarrass me and ultimately, you know, potentially chase me out of the room with pitchforks and torches. But that was all a thought. And so what happened is by taking it through all the way through. Now, there's other ways to do this, but that's just one example of disarming the thought and making it so that it no longer has power over you. Seems like if I'm, I'm reading you correctly, it seems like the fear isn't always in the current moment. It's, a, it's about what will happen. It's something that may happen in the future. Is that correct? It, it is the kind of the fear that keeps us from doing what we know we ought to do is is always a fear of what might happen. Right. Because remember, to start with, I took us out of the physical immediate danger thing. I'm not talking about that because that's not the fear that keeps you from being all you can be, from being a great coach, from asking people to enroll, from doing the prospecting that you could do as a coach. That isn't the fear. There's no tiger sitting on the, you know, borders of your mind. It is an imaginary thing of rejection, of nobody will ever sign. Why would they sign with me? What if I suck and I can't coach them well? All that stuff. Now, that is believing a future possibility. Often it comes from the past where you said, well, I have failed all these other times. And every time I get to the money part of a conversation, I want to vomit and I screw it all up. When you're, if you're enrolling clients, for example, or in a coaching situation or speaking or whatever you're doing, but it is an imaginary thing that says something might happen. And that thing that might happen, and this is where it gets weird, might destroy me. And we have this sort of imaginary thought of being completely destroyed, cease to exist. Because some people postulate that all this sort of fear is actually some kind of fear of death. The fear of ceasing to exist, right? All of a sudden, I'm a big ixnay. I don't exist anymore. And the truth, the truth is none of that's going to happen. There's no real threat. Is it, it is in our minds from believing a thought, and the thought is almost always um, imagined, conceptualized from stuff that happened somewhere back there. And then projected into the future. 
of what probably oh, I assume it's going to happen again. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It happened before. It'll probably happen again. And and, you know, uh, you brought up a, a very interesting point about our identities, right? Our identity is really what we're talking about here is like we have all these skeletons in the closet. Everyone's got them. And we're afraid that people are going to see that in us. And that really keeps us from uh, stepping out in the open. I think a lot of people who would otherwise be speaking and, and be training and be helping other people don't because they're afraid that they're, you know, we call it impossible imposter syndrome, but it's not really imposter syndrome. It's it's a syndrome of, you know, well, if they knew it was in my bank account, they wouldn't believe me. They wouldn't listen to me. Or they knew all the mistakes I've made in the past. Look, listen, if you haven't made mistakes, you're not living, right? You're certainly not living. And the one thing I do here is quote a thing from Shakespeare in a play, As You Like It. And the story there is there's two brothers, and the younger one is the favored one a little bit, and the older brother hates him. And actually he's trying to kill him a bunch of times. And then one day the older brother gets in trouble, the younger brother, bad trouble, like physical threat, and the younger brother rushes in and saves his life. And later these two ladies are talking to the older brother because after this event, the older brother's completely changed and he's not angry, not trying to kill his younger sib anymore. And the ladies say to him, well, aren't you the guy that we're trying to kill your brother? And he says a very succinct line, "'Twas I, tis not I. And so the idea, I don't care. I mean, my answer to that was to write books and talk about all of it. So there's nothing anybody that can bring up about my past, about my failures, about anything that I did wrong that I won't just look right at them and say, "'Twas I, tis not I." And now I've got these years that have happened since a bunch of, since I walked away from that industry, recreated my life, overcame the depression, got the help I needed. Now I've written 18 books and I'm all over this stuff in the world. And I don't care who brings up whatever they bring up from the past, because now it's a point of refinement and learning. And I wouldn't trade any of it away. Yeah, it's very true. It's like when, uh, you know, I think a lot of people talk about that and they say, you know, if you if you have no secrets, you've got nothing to hide. And it's it's hard because it puts us that with a whole conversation about being vulnerable, right? Being vulnerable means being honest and letting people know what what you've really gone through. And I think, honestly, it's the, the most helpful thing you can do because everyone thinks your life is perfect, right? When they look at so many people on Instagram or Facebook or they watch videos, they say, these guys, they live a perfect life. <clears throat> and what they don't realize is, their life is as messed up as yours is. It's not any different. The only difference is they've channeled that that energy or those lessons in a different way, and they're using it for, for positive outcome, right? Suppose, for example, instead of allowing these past failures, mistakes, or whatever to frighten you or to hold you down or diminish you or wreck your self-esteem, suppose instead of that, what you chose to do is allow them to refine you, to mm. give you a specialized empathy, to give you the kind of courage, understanding, insight, and wisdom, because they can just as easily do that as scare you to death and have you hide under the bed and in the closet and hide your light. So what if you said, I'm going to, I'm going to extract all the value from these blood sucking things abuse and mistakes and bankruptcy and divorces and addictions. And I don't care what the list is. I'm not talking about little things. I'm talking about big things. What if you said, I'm going to take all of these things and I'm going to extract the refinement, the value, 
the change opportunities, the invitations to grow. I'm going to extract that and become better, more care, more caring, more loving, more empathetic, more insightful, more capable because that's happened. Because that is the path of power from those things instead of having them beat the crap out of you and live cowering in some corner, either conceptually or actually, because somebody might find out and you live in the if they only knew universe. So true. It's like you're, you're, you know, you're bringing it out and you're using those, the, you know, you, like you said, you got to learn the lessons from whatever happened and, and take those lessons forward and get rid of the emotion behind it and learn that, uh, you know, recognize that everyone goes through this. This is, this is part of living. And for some reason, in our school system, when we make mistakes, we're punished. Instead of having the teacher come in and say, okay, what did you learn from this and teach you how to move forward through it, we get punished when we make mistakes. And I think that that bleeds off. And when we're adults, we're feeling the same way. And we don't want to tell anybody we'll make a mistake because we don't want the judgment. We don't want the, the you know, the, the people pointing fingers, the people laughing, the ridicule, you know, whatever else that comes with it. And I think I like your approach really uh, much better because here you are embracing it and saying, OK, what can I learn? How can I be better? How can I use it to make me a better person? So I want to help everybody here watching this understand that I wasn't born this way. My upbringing was violent. I had discipline that today in 2023 would be felony child abuse. So I learned at home and everywhere else the, the punishment thing that, that, Robert, you were just talking about. I learned that. I internalized it. I lived with the painting on my face that I was inadequate my whole adult life. And some radical invitations and things changed for me in 2007, but I was 52 at the time. So I was 52 living all those years in fear of people knowing my mistakes because I imagined they imagined I didn't have those things. And I lived in fear of my own stupidity, my own mistakes, my own unkindness, the, the things that I'd done that were selfish or wrong or all of those things. Oh, if they knew, then they'd hate me. And that belief was visceral and real and debilitating for me for decades. And so the choice to change was that. It's a choice. And I tell you that I was 52 when I made that choice, which is 15 years ago. I'm 67 now. Was a It was an invitation. Like nobody came and did it for me. Nobody came to the rescue uh, some if some uh, things happened in my life that made me realize I'm not going to do this anymore. And I had to make radical changes in my life. Big, hard, radical, difficult thing. Start all over again. But to me, that was preferable than to to living fearfully anymore. And it didn't happen all at once. I had to gradually learn that vulnerability that Robert talked about. I had to gradually realize that first, it didn't matter. And second, I don't care what people think. And I don't mean that in a callous way. What I mean is they have their own set. And my ability to not care what someone thinks puts me not only in a place uh, insulated from their opinions, it puts me in an empathetic 
and kind place to be able to help them because I know they are dealing to a lesser or bigger degree with that same kind of fear, with that same kind of chain that's holding them down from being all they could be if they choose to do that. Isn't that why they criticize? Isn't that why they, they lash out? Because they, they're feeling it too and they see it in you. And it's easier to point it out in you than it is to point it out in themselves. Well, we see what we expect. And I agree with you. Yeah. Yes, people do that often. They, they, we see what we are, not, uh, not what uh, some people say. You don't see the way the world it is. That we see the way the, the world the way you are. <laughs> exactly right. And that's... Yep. So yeah, this is this is uh, so helpful, and I think in, in many ways brilliant because this is not what's taught in school. This is not what's taught in college. This is not what we get anywhere. Uh, this emotional intelligence that is so important for our well-being and our, our development and our growth and our success. And you know, we go out and I think what we do is we spend all our time on the how-tos of life. Let me find out how to build a website. Let me how to make a video. How to do this. How to do that. But we don't work on the psychology. And that's the more crippling piece. That's the piece that's sort of under the surface, like you said. And it's there. It's always there. And it's going to trip you up. And no matter how good your skills are, uh, you know, those things are going to come up. They're going to get in the way. So I really like this, Kellen. I think this is, this is brilliant. Tell me a little bit more about uh, how you teach people, train people how to live without fear. Because I know there's, there's more training behind uh, what you're sharing here today. There is. And so uh, the, the way I start with this is a story. So I had a, a, I was really healthy all my life until the last few years. And then I had some really significant and serious illnesses. One of them was a, I died in 2018 and we won't go into that whole thing, but if you want to read that story, that's in another book called meeting God at the door I actually died and had some conversations. The one that spawned this thought about living without fear happened five months later in December of 2018. I woke up on the morning of December 5th, 2018, paralyzed from the waist down. And uh, it was a result, I didn't know that at the time, but it was a result of the illness that I'd had in the summertime, which had caused my heart to stop and I died. The bacteria, it was a, uh, one of those superbugs, had moved around and located in my spine. And so I woke up paralyzed from the waist down. So we didn't know what was happening. And this was literally months after the other one where I had died and been revived. And so it was like, oh, man. So we called 911. Ambulance came. I went to the hospital and they did. A, a, I, first time and only time I'd ever ridden the back of the ambulance. But this is the story. In the back of the ambulance, I'm in pain, paralyzed, trying to understand what's going on. And then I had this picture in my mind. You can call it a vision, a picture, whatever. And it was like... um the, the World Series of Poker. It was one of those poker rooms, right? And it's kind of purple and black, and there's this poker table, and there's these people and all the stuff you see on TV. And then and it's first person. So I'm looking through my eyes. I'm at the table, and right across from me was the, the Grim Reaper in full regalia. And it scared the crap out of me. So I'm sitting here. And, and, and then sort of all the people at the table kind of faded from view, and it was just like us. And... We have cards, and I saw Reaper reach down, and he did this motion, put his hands on the table, and pushed all the chips in the middle, right? And the the level of fear that came up in me cannot, I can't even articulate it. 
And then I thought, okay, so there's your opponent. You know, if your opponent, and then what really I said was adversary. And then I didn't say your adversary. I said the adversary because of who it was. If the adversary raises the stakes, what do you do? I thought, well, you only have two choices. You fold or you call. And in the back of the ambulance, in pain, I moved the only thing I could. I raised my right arm and I slammed it on the stretcher and screamed at the top of my lungs. Then I call. And then the whole picture faded away. And I went to the hospital and they did an MRI and found that there had been a cyst grow from this MRSA bacteria and put pressure on my spine. They did an immediate surgery. I went from the ER to the OR and they did midnight surgery and da-da-da-da-da. So it it went away, but what it did is it let me understand that even in the face of mortal fear, we have a choice. We have a choice. And I could not imagine a more visceral thing to have seen than that. So, Robert, you ask about teaching. If you want to live without fear, it's possible. And what I mean by that is I talk about this. And one time I gave a talk and some lady said, so what's the biggest change and for you? And she was talking about that incident when I died. And I was thinking about the answer. And I heard my mouth open and say, I no longer experience fear. And for me, that's, that's a true thing. I realize that most people don't have those kind of dramatic experiences. But here's the truth about learning to do this. Fear is not uh, tangible. Its effects are powerful, but it comes only when we believe stuff. And again, I'm not talking about being chased around by a tiger. It comes when we believe a thought. So if you want to live without fear, begin by, you start by saying, okay, I'm feeling afraid. Maybe I'm feeling freaking terrified like I was when I was thinking about the talk. Can't sleep terrified. Start with identifying what am I afraid of? Like, actually, do I think I'm going to die on stage? No, I'm not afraid of that. And start to articulate it. Because when you write things down and you say them out loud, the texture changes. So understand what you're afraid of. Another step there is, okay, what really is the consequence of that happening? How likely is that actually to happen? And it is in the process of either talking through with someone, and I had a coach at that time, I could, I called him, and we, we weren't in the same place. I was able to talk it through with them. And by, by looking at the fear itself, what am I afraid of? What, how likely is that actually to happen? What things can I do to mitigate the possibility that that happens? What will I do if it actually happens? And if you just follow some of those things through, you realize one of two things. It probably won't happen. Two, if it does, I'll live anyway. So if the worst thing happens, you're gonna live anyway. Let's go to the probably won't happen. Then I have another couple of questions, which are, all right, fine. I realize it probably won't happen. How can I take advantage of this? I'm feeling this fear. 
I'm going to do it anyway. And since we're talking Coach's Corner, I'm talking maybe networking, speaking, proposing, getting clients, whatever the things are that you're afraid of. But I don't want to limit it to that because it applies to anything and everything in your life. Take it apart because fear remains powerful when it remains nameless. When you name it and describe it and articulate it, then you begin to dimensionalize it and then you begin to be able to shrink it and make conscious choices about what to do with that fear and your choice about whatever it is that's bringing fear to you. Robert, am I answering the question? Oh, and much more than I expected. This is awesome. I, you're giving us like a PhD here in, in dealing with fear. Well, I I, look, I have a book, Walking Without Fear. I have a whole course on how to live without fear. And, and I know in the Internet world of hype, people promise the universe and they, you know, you're going to make $2 million in the next 3.7 seconds. I don't believe in that. I don't do that. I don't live in that universe. So I'm not saying live without fear to say some hypey stuff. There will always be uncertainty of outcome because we don't control other people's right. behavior. But you actually can live without fear, without it controlling your decisions, your choices, the things you want to do. That's possible. And to that end, I wrote a book, create a course and all the rest so that you can be all that you can be instead of some shriveled up 30%, 50% version of that that bothers you every time you think about it. And, you know, if you look at it this way, you say, what if somebody were able to reduce their fear just 20%? Their life would be different. Oh, completely. Right? And, and if they were able to eliminate it 100%, then it's a completely different experience again. But, I mean, you don't have to, you know, look at it from, oh, it's got to be all or nothing. It, it, there's a lot of levels in between there. It's never all or nothing. One of the things I do with clients is I'll say, so if you had 1%, 1% less fear around this thing, what would you do? Well, if you're talking things that, that are in the coaching world, speaking or prospecting, well, I'd make one more phone call. If I had 1% less fear, I'd make one more phone call or send one more email. Okay, cool. cool. Do you think you can do that? Yes. Well, what if you had another 1% and another 1%? It doesn't take a genius to figure out in three months, you're 100%. And yeah, maybe it slows down later and things get a little harder and harder. But 20% change, 20% more success, 20% more calmness, 20% more ability to focus and meditate and get the power that you want, 20% more sales, 20 like it doesn't take very much thinking to realize that if you could lower it and then lower it again, here's what you learn. Oh, I did this and it lowered it 5% or 10% as evidenced by my actions. Well, if I can do that, what if I do it again? What if I refine it? What if I play with it and do it a little bit different? What else is possible? What else can I do? Awesome. Tell us about the course. The course is just called Live Without Fear. Okay. It's a 12-module course. It has videos that teach different principles. 
walking through all of the steps of a process that I created. And it's got workbooks. It's something that I would recommend that you iterate on. So again, you talk about a little at a time. So the process walks you through steps to eliminate fear or to reduce it. So if I say eliminate here, reduce, reduce from 100 to 99 to 98 to 90 to 80, and to go through steps uh, that are some of the steps I've listed here, but it's a 12 module course that walks through processes that I have created and tested and used so that you no longer are ruled by fear. So that's what it is, 12 module course with videos and PDFs that will allow you to reduce and if you keep using it to eliminate fear from your life. I'm going to put the link up there too. So livewithoutfear.ca is the link if anyone's looking for where to find that course. What else can you tell us about it, uh, Kellen, that uh, people would need to know getting involved? What's on the livewithoutfear.ca? What's on that website? And, and what do they find when they go there? Livewithoutfear.ca. Well, you're going to find, uh, uh, I'm going to actually call it up here so that I can describe it to you well. So livewithoutfear.ca, it's a, a question at top. Is fear blocking your success? And then it's a, an, uh, there's a video there that will describe it. Uh, there's a sign up now. And if you go there, there will be a larger page that describes the content of the course and uh, talks about you know, the tuition. There is a fee for that, of course. And here's why. Some people think I create or courses just because I need money. I actually don't need your money. What I need is for you to be fully invested in your growth. And what I've discovered as a coach, I'm sure, is what you know as a coach. When people don't invest in their own growth, they don't get tremendous success. So that's what's there for you. There's an opt-in page and then a sales page, effectively, that describes the course and describes what you can expect and how it works. And I can tell you, because I use it, that it works and that it will grow your life, your confidence, your business, your clients. It'll change the way you feel about yourself and your opportunities. Outstanding. Thank you so much for that, Kellen. And, you know, just sitting here thinking about that saying, you know, what if you reduce the fear? Because I, I have a mantra um, that I've been using that's been helping me a lot. Uh, when I come to work in the morning, I'm like, am I fearful today? Is there anything that I have to fear? And it's like, Nope, there's nothing. Or if there is something, then okay, what is it? And I go through those same kind of questions that, that you were posing before. And within minutes, the fear is reduced or eliminated completely, and I can get on with the day. But it's really, I think, uh, helpful to have a guide, someone like you who's been through it, who's been through the, the challenges. And thank you, uh, by the way, for putting it together in a, in a module, modular course because that allows people to go through and, and get the pieces they need when they need them and also to go revisit them if they forgot them, because it is a habit. And I've noticed that if I don't do this on a regular basis, I slip back into the old patterns. So it's just we really- We do, well, I was just gonna say we do because the world is built like that. Yeah. I mean, news cycles and everything, it's about, you know, this terrible thing happened and that terrible thing happened and you need to be afraid of this and afraid of that. So we have thousands of inputs every day that incite, uh, the, the condition of potential fear 
that trigger those neurotransmitters and create a response in our body. And understanding that you don't have to allow that to control your life is the key. And so, yeah, the modules are there on purpose. There's some introductory stuff to understand fear, but then there's this core process that you can use and I want you to use over and over again to control fear in any given situation and also as a life process to say, I don't need to live by fear. And in fact, I refuse to do that because I want control of the levers of my life. I've been abdicating that far too long. This has been brilliant. And I'm not just saying that, Kellen. I think this is amazing stuff. Uh, everyone goes through this. Everyone has this challenge. Everyone's dealing with it at, at some level. Uh, some aren't even aware that it's there because they've, they've fashioned their life in such a way so they don't run into the fear. And they kind of do this instead of doing this and going straight for whatever it is they want. Uh, some people bail on their goals because they'd have to face the fear. And instead of facing it, it's easier to retreat. And like you say, we're being scared every, every day, all day. Uh, when I wrote my book, Motivational Marketing, it's one of the things I did not want to include in there, but it is the most powerful motivator is fear. And I had to you know, talk about what fear was and how it's used in a marketing sense uh, to get us to do things that the, the marketer or the company wants us to do. It's very powerful. So if you can learn to get around that and, and learn not to let your fear be the one that's guiding your decisions, guiding your choices, life changes. And like you said, 20%, just reduce it 20% and you have a different life already. I just want to leave you with one question and that is this. Imagine for a moment, like use your imagination and I'm speaking slowly so you can kind of participate here. Imagine for a moment life without fear. Like think through the decisions you make whether it's as a coach, if you're marketing, if you're having a difficult conversation in a relationship, if you have to go to court for a ticket, if something happens, you get a, a letter from the IRS, all of the things that we've all probably experienced that imagine if you could open that letter or have that conversation without the pit in your stomach, without the voice on the shoulder, but confidently, and with full capability, just being yourself with no fear or with half of what you have today or some other significantly reduced. Just imagine that thing. That's what we're talking about and why Robert said it will change your life. Absolutely. Livewithoutfear.ca. Thank you so much, Kellen, for being here today. This has been fantastic. And I hope you go check out that website, livewithoutfear.ca. Any final thought you want to leave us with before we end for today? Yeah. Sometimes when I talk, I'm pretty animated and noisy and I tell interesting stories and all that jazz. And here's the final thought. I'm nobody special. The, the, the description, I've had some extraordinary things happen to me, dying and having visits with God and stuff like that. You know, you never imagine that's going to happen. Okay, so I've had some extraordinary experiences, but at the end of the day, I'm nobody special. I'm no different than you. And I say that because I don't, one of the things that people say sometimes, is, well, yeah, that's okay for them, but yeah, I could never do that. And I want to say that, address it head on right here, right now. That's nonsense. If I can do this, if I can learn these things, 
after decades of being whipsawed by depression and struggle and addictions and everything else, if I can learn this and have a change and reshape my life, then you can learn this. A little at a time, a lot at a time, but it's available and in your front sights right now. Easier said. You got this. You can make it happen, right? Absolutely. That's right. Thank you, Kellen. I appreciate it. And thank you for watching, folks. And uh, make sure you tune in to Coach's Corner. We'll have uh, more shows coming up on this very channel. Thanks for watching.